Well, good evening again, everybody. Happy anniversary again, everybody. So good to be God's people together. I want to tell you a little bit of a story, and then I want to open up the microphone for you to say a word or two. There's a couple people that I think are prepared to share. If that someone is you, feel free to share one, two, three minutes about what God has done in and through you in this church. Or perhaps you can even look out and look ahead. What's your hope for this community moving forward? It's interesting now celebrating a seventh anniversary in a new space, a new place, still in the same general neighborhood, still in our areas and circles of influence. But maybe you can also not just look back and share some good thing that God has done, but what can you look ahead and share as a word of hope? This is an opportunity to say, yay, God, because God is in our midst, little old us, moving and working for his kingdom. And so we have reasons to sing and celebrate. Amen? Amen. So I'm going to share a little bit of a story. You're going to share a little bit of a story if you feel led to. And then I'll come back before we receive communion. And I want to bring before you a familiar to most of you image that we all need reminding of if we are to be the church God has us to be. So first, my story, which is actually our story. A little over eight years ago, what was then known as Providence Community Church found itself in a tough place. Two pastors who were heavily, highly influential moved on, along with several key leaders and many, <clears throat> many members. Our budget had dwindled and our building that we shared had been sold out from under us. And eventually, the dust settled. We looked around. And we realized, oh, we're still here. We're still doing this thing. We had a core group of people, and by God's miraculous grace, we had enough financial support. In fact, when I had come on as a new preacher and a newly installed pastor, I said, what's our missions budget? And Bud was like, what's a missions budget? This was the first church he had ever been a part of. And what became the core group raised $20,000 in four weeks of Advent so that we wouldn't have to raise that kind of missions work again. So as the dust settled and me, a new preacher, newly installed lead pastor, with this core group that had settled back down together and said, I think we got some meat left on the bone to See what's what moving forward. We all went to a retreat to dream, discern, and spend some time alone with God because that was part of our rhythm from the jump. If you went on a retreat with us, you had better believe that part of that was going to be spent not just with us, but alone out there somewhere, you and God. And then we come back, we turn the chairs to face one another, and we say, how'd it go? And we debrief, and we talk through what we're sensing, what we're hearing. And so what we did together was have a strong sense that God was doing a new thing. We were in a new place, we were welcoming new people, and so we needed a new name. Not just because 
of all the newness, but because we literally needed a new name. And so, in and amongst that retreat and discernment, not only did we get a sense of a new name, we got a clear vision for the new season ahead. And it was when Kara shared, after we had shared with Carla and Amy and some of the others, this sense of like, I feel like we've got a different vibe. It was Kara that articulated, I feel like we're less of a coffee shop style church that's cool and hip with a cool name. Because I had a real cool name I wanted to call it. And she said, and that's fine. And that's for some other communities. But I felt like we were less a coffee shop church and more of a laundromat church. Or as we had talked about, a lavanderia. A laundromat church rooted in a community that meets everyday needs for everyday people, all different kinds. And that's when Jason said, yeah, I think the neighborhood church is a good one. And as much as I liked my cool name, there was this sense in the room where me and everyone else were like, that's got to be it. And so we've been trying to live up and live out this name ever since. So we officially replanted in Garland at Freeman Heights Baptist Church, who was so gracious, so instrumental, in November of 2016. And like I said, we've been trying to live up to it ever since. And because we had come out of such a deep season of loss and change, we dove in. Think about how happening to meet at Freeman Heights brought us to a partnership with The Rock and how we just dove in. Because I think we had so much change and so much loss that we were just so eager to do a thing that we asked and listened to the neighborhood and they said, wouldn't it be something if we could do a clothing ministry? Because that was the language of the rock in these places. But they also said, good luck. You're going to be up to your ears and stuff. And we said, ha ha, it'll be fine. We're up to our ears and clothes. But we listened to the neighborhood and we started to provide toiletries, shoes, school uniforms, coats, all the quantifiable things that we could have done a wholly different kind of story to talk about all the measurable things that we've done in the last seven years. But the point I'm trying to make is we were so desperate to just be in and amongst the neighborhood that we just dove in. And this missions budget we raised, we realized, well, have we ever gone to the border? And so we went. And we just started to do the little things like fixing up fences that the city needed someone to come and take ownership of. To welcome people who didn't fit or find space in other churches. To make room and truly God was giving us an opportunity to live up to our name. But what kept us going was this simultaneously like twin focus on spiritual disciplines and formation. And I think that that's what helped us fill up because we were so much pouring out. We were starting to develop our identity that was rooted in Jesus' rhythm of work and rest. Jesus regularly withdrew to the, to the lonely places with the Father to be filled so that he might go and further engage the crowd, so that he might pour out. We were trying to follow that rhythm and we were developing an identity one that was real serious about loving our neighbor and meeting tangible needs, but also really serious about sitting with Jesus to be filled and formed by him. 
And because a church community is a living and relational, not just organization, but organism, we started to reflect and grow into what we were passionate about, loving our neighbors with dignity and hospitality. We started meeting tangible needs of under-resourced people, but doing so in a way that's rooted in relationship. We wanted to know their names. We wanted to sit and pray with them. We wanted them to come back and say, Toby, Toby, that thing you prayed for, God worked and healed. We wanted to maintain significant global relationships with our kingdom partners. As I said, right from the jump of becoming the neighborhood church, we went and built the Ken Kanadabi Memorial Storage Building in El Paso. We've consistently supported for years the work on the border with the migrant community, with people in El Paso, people on both sides, Juarez, giving them groceries and food, supporting the great work that Caesar and Raquel do. We have helped fund spiritual formation cohorts that deal with emotional trauma and also the kinds of leadership rhythms that help those people that are all throughout Central Asia through a person I can't name online, but you know very well, and I had the the great um, privilege of seeing this past weekend stateside. We funded that work all throughout former Soviet places. And presently, there is a first-generation Christian group in the foothills of Armenia that are working through our core practices. We have been able to be the sending church of a missionary family to the Middle East And when they got kicked out of the Middle East, they went and worked with refugees in Northern Ireland. And maybe if you're on their email list, you might be seeing them this summer stateside. And then we were able to welcome a new community and Kathy Kiesler and their leadership who introduced us to an orphanage in rural Kenya and how we got to pray for and support in little ways to come alongside their story, begging God and asking him to move in the roughest season of ministry out there. This little church, significant global partnerships, not just a check sent away to a denomination, although we very much could be a part of that in our next seven years. But we know the names of these people. We know the stories of these people. And that's remarkable for such a little church, as my grandpa used to say. We're reflecting and living into this identity, right? So the other thing we would do is prioritize spiritual formation and practices. We prioritize relationships in our groups and gatherings. And I want to say, this is my like pastoral call and invitation, that we're learning on this side of COVID and, and moving and all the busyness that just because you're a small church doesn't mean that this happens organically and by default. This is something we still have to tend to and keep moving and developing. But we prioritize relationships. And all the while, we keep a Jesus-centered view of theology, scriptural interpretation, and practice. And that sounds so obvious, but get out in amongst the world of evangelicalism, and you'll find them scratching their heads when we are relentlessly committed to the person and work of Jesus to understand all 66 books of scripture and how we to live accordingly in his image and in his steps. That's part of our identity. But there are more important questions I want you to know than how many people attend. 
There's more important questions than how good is the worship gathering? Is that preacher any good? How's that worship team? How's their, yep. How's their ministry? Yeah, you whooped the worship team, but not the preacher. But I, I say whoop and amen to that too. But now we know. And so I'll wrap up. We laugh a lot. There's more important questions than how many people, how much stuff. And it's hard being a small local church in the land of megachurches. Yes and amen. And mid-sized churches are going the way of the buffalo. You either have the big churches getting bigger or you have these average-sized churches of America, 60 to 80 people. If that sounds crazy to you, look it up. It just feels like we're so tiny because we're an average height walking around an NBA locker room where all these other churches are seven feet tall. But again, that's less important. What matters less is how many people are here. What matters more is who are these people becoming. So the more important questions for us is are we loving God with everything we have? Are we loving our neighbor as ourselves? Are we declaring and demonstrating the good news of God's kingdom in our neighborhood? Are we growing disciples of Jesus? Are we bearing with one another? Are we loving one another? Are we walking alongside one another in hope, faith, and love? But finally, maybe even more important than the are we questions is will we? Will we keep loving God with everything? Will we love him with even more of our everything? Will we love our neighbors ourselves? Will we be hospitable and greet those and get out to the highways and byways and say, I think you can find a place here. Just hard to find us because we're in a basement. And I don't, the pastor doesn't write books and have social media. But I think you can find a home here. Are we declaring and demonstrating the good news? Will we continue even more so? Will we grow disciples intentionally, getting people together and helping each other along the way? And will we cultivate these relationships, this belonging, more and more? Will we? Will we? Will we? That's the question that I'll leave you with. So that's a little bit about our story of what was. Now I want to hear some of your stories. This isn't a pat ourselves on the back thing. This is a yay God thing because we get so busy and the tyranny of the every day and the every week can sneak up on us and we forget to look back and reflect on what was. But just think about how often in the Psalms and in the Old Testament, God is baking within their law and their practices, statutes and practices of remembrance. Every one of their festivals is to remember that awesome thing that God did. Every one of the psalmists are asking, remember what God has done. So this is what we want to do. We want to remember. So we'll start with a few of you just to come as you feel it's time and it's led. Share a minute to two minute to three minute on either remembering or sharing a hope for what is to come. And because I've already given Miguel some grief, and because Carla was wondering if she could share, let's begin with Carla.
yes, whoever laughed the loudest is coming next. <laughs> well, these seven years had been amazing. Uh, I kind of want to share a little bit about me. If you don't know me, everybody knows me. I'm really famous. Um, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But for those that don't know this, I've been working with kids since I was like 15. And I just had a birthday yesterday. That's a lot of years. I've been, like, like the moment I was able to like sign up uh, to work with kids in my church back then, I signed up. I wanted to do it. And I have loved it always. But I have to tell you, I never felt more empowered and like free to really use and grow my talents like since the neighborhood church was born. Like this is really, these past seven years, like I have seen the growth in the talents God has given me. I knew I had them, but I like never did I get the green light, like go ahead. I'm like, should we, can we make an advent calendar? Yes, do it. Can we do this? Yes. We should have our BBS. Yes, do it. And it's been amazing. I have enjoyed every little thing. I love the people that help uh, and volunteer. If you ever, let me tell you, if you ever pray and say, God, what is my calling? I will tell you. I can tell you. Because this is everyone's calling to what? Make disciples. Yes. And if you ever wake up and say, God, put someone, someone in my life this week, you will see them coming in. And they're like, don't look up here. Look down here. That's how you will find them. And they're precious and they're the best. Seven years doesn't seem like a long time, but we have seen these kids grow and move on to the youth. We have seen these kids get baptized. It's been beautiful. Like if you want to see God really growing those disciples, you need to volunteer at the neighborhood kids. <laughs> Amy, don't laugh because it's true. Anyway, uh, God has done great things. I see our kids every week, and I'm amazed about uh, how they participate, uh, how they answer the questions. And, you know, we always say, Jesus is always the answer. Like, the kids will be like, Jesus. But, no, our kids know their Bible. They give you the right answers, and it's amazing. And I feel so honored that I'm part of that, and everybody should be part of it. <laughs> so you can feel like this. My, hope and, my hopes and dreams are that, uh, I don't know, if you look that way, we have apartments. If you look this way, there are apartments. I feel like there's lots of kids that want to join us, and then they're going to bring their parents. So I really pray that God will make us that light in this uh, Avenue B in, what is this street? Glenbrook. Goodness. I, excuse me, these are new space. Uh, that's my uh, excuse. Uh, yeah, that seriously, that they will know us that, hey, that's the very welcoming church that welcomes kids, that have fun stuff for the kids, and also for adults. Because if you volunteer, you will see how much fun we have back there, right? <laughs> yes. Anyway, um, yeah, that's it. Thank you.
like Carla, I had to actually write my stuff down. I'm not used to talking into a microphone. I'm always used to singing into a microphone. And no. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I won't. You're right. Um, so I thought a lot after Adam asked Jeremiah and I to talk um, just about these past seven years and actually a lot longer for me. I've been around since the very beginning. Um, thank you, Jeremiah. He's called me an OG. Um, but when I was thinking about the neighborhood church, I just thought of two words, and it's genuine community. And as, I mean, I went through a time in my life where I went and kind of tasted other churches to see, like, maybe is this the right fit for me? And something that was always lacking was the genuine community, having people, no matter what, be there for you. And so even Jeremiah and I being together for a while have been through quite a bit of things that require support. Uh, We've been through hospital visits where we've had people like waiting in the waiting room. Um, We got married here and that was amazing and we had so much support Um, through our infertility and miscarriage. And that was something that required a lot. Um, Our growth, all of our happiness and stepping into the positions as youth leaders which was new and scary, Um, but it's been a lot of fun. Carla's right. Kids are pretty cool. Um, So anyway, I just think this genuine community is something special, and it's not something you find anywhere else. I mean, whether we're serving at the neighborhood table or giving people clothes or supplies at the clothes closet or um, even just hanging out with people in the neighborhood, I feel like it's just something special that is kind of hard to capture. So I'm really excited for the next seven years to see what we do and what it's going to look like. Seven years, wow. Um, I came uh, I came to, I was pretty much, I think I've been here about seven years. Mm-hmm. So it was, yeah. The, the funny thing is, is um, I grew up, I grew up in church. My mom and dad are pastors. Um, I grew up in church. And I also grew up going to a lot of different churches. And I was, like, on the worship team and um, went to all the conferences and everything. So, and on top of that, I went to a Christian private school up until fifth grade. So I've always, like, known the Bible stories. And I've, I've been very informed um, just of the Bible and of, like, the different, about to pop that balloon, um, <laughs> different, just different, like, theology and everything. And. It was really refreshing to come here and see it really centered on Jesus. I think being here really taught me how to love people and taught me just more about just living as Jesus lived and not getting too concerned with all the extra things. It's just focused on Jesus, and I think that's a really powerful thing. And also even um, just taught me what worship really is. Um, Worship isn't like a performance or anything. Worship is truly just doing your absolute best. And I just, yeah, that really impacted me. I remember when I actually, when I first came here, um, when I first came here, the person who invited me, I was like, don't tell them I play drums. I don't want to play. <laughs> <laughs> I think after my second visit, Adam's like, so I heard you play drums. <laughs> <laughs> and I've, I've lo- I've, I love playing drums here. And that's the first time I can say that being a part of a church and just love, just loving ministering, you know, behind the drums. So I really enjoy that. And also just another perk is it's funny whenever I tell people, yeah, I'm going to this metal concert. Who are you going with? I'm going with my pastor. 
So, um, yeah, everything everything Lynette said, yeah, I'm with her. Um, it's been a long seven years. We've been through a lot, but I'm very grateful. And of course, met my beautiful wife here. So, yeah. <laughs> cannot believe it's been seven years. Uh, I'm going to throw some numbers out here for some of you that don't know us very well. Um, three is the number of children we raised in this church. And when I tell you it takes a literal village to raise your kids, especially when they become teenagers, <laughs> it really does. Because for us, it was by far, I would love to go, oh, my kids are so great and wonderful. They are. But as teenagers, they were not. Like, it was really hard. And there were times where if I didn't have, we didn't have the support of Jason and Becky, Adam and Amy, so many other people in our lives uh, where we could be like, you're going to have to come get this child because I don't know what else to do with her. And she can't be by herself. She has to be with an adult. And she's a teenager. You know, like, it was very, it was very difficult. But with this church, like, we will also tell you the number of years we've been here. I added it up. It's 18 years. Um, known Lynette since she was, I don't even know how old. But I think you're the oldest member, like, and Michelle. That was the other person I was trying to think of. Yeah. So, yeah, known a long time. Um this end of this month, we'll be married 26 years. So over half our marriage has been spent in this church. And that is the other thing we told a dear friend uh, not too long ago, that it didn't only take a village to raise our kids. It took a village to keep our marriage together. Um, what I love about our church is if you allow it and if you can just bring down your walls just for a little bit and being vulnerable and just have a little bit of trust and faith in the people here, you will not ever regret it. It is part of being part of a group of people who are so genuinely authentic. I know some of you have probably come here and you're like, okay, when is the facade going to come off? You know, when, when is all like the gossiping and all the kind of, like, backstory drama is going to happen. Well, it just really doesn't. Um, and if it does, you know, we allow each other to fail, and we are standing there arm in arm, and we're there for each other no matter what. And that is a very rare and unique thing to go through in life, but definitely in this church. And I think it's great that... We can have a church that's not driven by egos like so many are because that is the, it's the easiest thing to, to creep in is allowing our egos to dictate what a church does. And because we really do have like a roundtable type atmosphere of, of bouncing things off of one another and allowing each other's gifts, you know, you nailed it on the head, Carla, I mean, empowering people in this church is awesome. The thing is, too, is, like, you're going to experience weariness in your life. Like, it's, there's no doubt. You're going to experience struggle. You're guaranteed it. You're allowed to be weary and struggle within this church. 
And it's okay. You need a break. It's okay. Uh, you need to step back. It's okay because you filter everything through a community, and we are here to tell you, like, it. I don't, I don't really know where we would be without it, you know? Um, and I'm just so grateful. Looking to the future, I'm excited about just every kind of little dynamic of what Adam really, he says, you know, being fluid. It literally is like one of the most fluid places that I've ever witnessed. Um, and I think that's really kind of the secret to our success as a church is the ebb and flow of life. And we just kind of deal with it. Whatever is, is given to us, we deal with it like that. So, But we do it together. And that's the most important thing. It's not about one person ever. If it does become about one person, we're all going, hey, what are you doing? You know, like, but it's out truth and love. And that's a very rare gift and a thing to be valued. So, I was thinking about when I first came here, you know, I was sitting in the crowd and I was kind of, it was when it was at the art theater back in the way, way far back. And I was just like, I, I can't just sit here. I have to do something. So, uh, like the second week we came, I saw these dudes up, up in the front and they were rolling cables after the service. So we had to, you know, take our stuff out. And for 18 years, we have been rolling cables, you know, but we're done. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> woo woo, seven years, baby. Uh, but uh, I think the, my favorite part of, about this church is I can be me, you know. I'm normal person. I'm not this super uh, spiritual, spiritual person. Like, I have all these faults and all these messes up. I talk fast and I ramble and I act crazy, and that's just me, you know. And I get to be me, and everybody loves me because I'm me. No, I'm kidding. Uh, but, no, I just love that. Like, like our pastor is, is a normal dude, you know. Our, 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 t- our, our people that lead are normal people. We're all, like, just figuring life out. We're all you know, having faith and hoping things turn out good. And when they don't, we cry and, you know, need help and stuff. And so I was thinking about that. And I was thinking about like, you know, our church just keeps growing and growing in in what we do. I look at you guys in this room and I I see how much each one of you do. You all serve, you all live in this church and you all, I mean, that's awesome to me. I think of all these churches that you just plug into uh, like a mega church. I'm not dogging them, but just they attend and then you bail and they don't get that part of just, you know, hands and feet doing things. And so that's super uplifting to me when you guys show up to the clothes closet and when we were, like, painting in here and making this place awesome. Like, this is really uplifting. So I'm super thankful, and I just am excited to see what's, what's coming, you know, what, what God uses us for because we're open and we're sacrificial and we're loving, and I'm just super stoked about that. So. Didn't know I was that fast. I will be brief. Um, like Robert, I don't know how to be anybody other than me. And um, oh my gosh, I don't want to cry. Being a part of this church, I even before we were the neighborhood church, I really didn't know where I was going to fit in. And God was very gracious with me and took me in a path that. I didn't even know it was going to happen, and this church has loved me well and served me well, and I've loved every minute of it with all of you, and so I will just share um, my hope, and my hope is that when we're thinking 
we need someone to do this thing. Number one, God always provides what we need. We thought we needed a pastor from somewhere else at some point. God provided. We had Adam. And I couldn't even imagine this church without Adam as our head pastor. We're like, we need someone to do children's ministry. Could you imagine our life here without Carla? We thought when (laughs) we needed to hire a musician, and we did for a few weeks before we were the neighborhood church, before we figured out uh, that we had all these great musicians right in house that hadn't done a worship team quite before. And God said, you have what you need. And I just want to remind you all of that. And as we move forward, remember that God's always providing what we need, and he's always calling people into new roles. And so be open. Be open-minded. Um, we're guiding the children to learn that they don't, their life doesn't have to look a certain way. And the people that walk in may be a whole new addition to our family. And I hope, my, this is really my hope, is that they feel as accepted as all of us do. Um, that they don't feel like they have to change or put on a front or look a certain way or lead their life be a certain thing. Um, it's kind of a rare thing for an unmarried, unmothering mother or t- woman. I don't know what I'm saying, but it's kind of weird for a woman like me to feel completely welcome in a church in the South. I, I have many friends that are like me who do not feel welcome in their churches at all. They feel like everyone thinks they're missing something because that's the messaging they hear. And I don't feel that way at all. And I feel so blessed because of that. And I love all your children so much. I don't have any nieces and nephews. So I consider all of your children like my nieces and nephews, just so you know. And I pray for them often. So that's my hope for our church. Miguel, come on up. So this was the first time I heard the one, two, three minute thing. So I'm just (sighs) got to cut this. I had a cool 38, so it's good. For the record, Becky signs off on 80% of my jokes. I know that she pretends she doesn't. Um, Okay. Um, So we, I, I did write it all down though. Uh, We were, I wrote that joke, no I didn't, okay, back on track, back on track everybody. We were on an unsure path when we started uh, at TNC seven years ago. I think our first day was like the first day this church was called the Neighborhood Church, um, which has always been like a fun little quirk about us in this church that uh, I've enjoyed. Um, Because we were going, after we had gotten married, we were kind of going from church to church, I, was, I grew up Catholic, Becky grew up like ultra, like the protest part of Protestant. Um, <laughs> that's how she described it to me. Again, she signs off on these guys. Um, so uh, it was like, we were, we were like, so we went like Catholic light and then we went to an Episcopal church for a little while. And then we, then I had a period where like my guy friends were all pastors and we started bouncing around to other churches and. Um, we ultimately found our place here, and on the very first day at TNC, Becky told us it was craft fair day, and that spoke directly to Becky's heart. Also on that first day, 
like the very first day, Amy and Toby came up to us and basically told us that we had to join them in their home, where we have now found a weekly family dinner. Um, we prayed with Adam and all of you a prayer that, this was like the second or third week, a prayer that Adam called a dangerous prayer, which was, God, bring us a people no one else wants, and felt the presence of God so heavily in that moment, and so certainly. Uh, we stood together in support of our youth being baptized, where they claimed their own certainty in the life with Christ. We jumped feet first into overflow, where we walked and continued to walk with the youth on their unsteady journeys and saw them grow in their certainty, later joining in their baptisms. And we jumped feet first. We did, we hosted the very first summer. We hosted the very, in an apartment, y'all. Remember that time? Um, <laughs> Cisco was born into our family with Jason sitting feet away, pray, praying for us as our nerves grew. And then uh, he held Cisco with so much love, we were certain Cisco's family was bigger than just the three of us was going to be. And then one by one and just in time, each and every one of you came and visited, and visited us, brought us food and nourished us in that time. You all held and continued to hold Cisco so well, all before we were closed down by COVID. And now the members of this church like Kristen and Amy and Carla are his literal daily teachers. I mean, <laughs> and so many of you too, like in, in, he finally went back today, but in the, in the neighborhood kids, uh, his literal teachers. Um, then Saturday after Saturday, with uncertainty and fear surrounding us, we were reminded of this family and in Zoom calls during COVID, and I felt like even as our, we were so far apart physically, it really felt like through that time we were growing closer and closer together. I think I learned a lot about Amanda Stone and all the stones in that because they were always hanging out on the Zoom and the pains. And I felt like I started to grow closer and closer with all of you through that. Um, Cisco was scared of Kelly because of the videos. She was a little like movie star to him. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Um, and so now through today, um, we are absolutely certain in our faith in God, the Father, because of this body, this church, this family, all of you, new friends, which we have a lot of, old friends, which we have a lot of, um, our sisters and our brothers, you guys walk with us and we all walk together. So even as we have seasons of anxiety and fear, we are certain of our path because we are certain of you and your presence. So thank you, TNC, for being our family. I think somebody was getting up too. Were you about to get up too? No, okay, I'll, I'll go ahead. <laughs> Except I'm going to just stare at the ceiling the whole time because I probably will cry. Um, <laughs> um, 
I'm so grateful for this church. When we think back at how long we've been the neighborhood church, we think of Nora's life. She's almost 10, and that's how it, that's literally how long Adam's been working on being pastor of this church. And um, yeah, and back in the day when she would make herself throw up so she didn't have to go to child care, Courtney would hold her, Lynette would hold her, Carla, like all of y'all. Um, it's just so crazy to me um, how much, mm, should have written mine down. I had it down, y'all, the whole day. Okay, so my whole heart in being a pastor's wife, I have a very unique privilege into knowing our pastor. Um, And I can tell you how genuine his love is for the people here. Um, But what has been the most powerful thing is the genuine love that we receive as a pastor's family. Um, why do I have to be the only one that cried? <laughs> I'm just going to stand like this. <laughs> okay, but not when you're up here. <laughs> um, being a pastor's wife, and I know this because I've talked to lots of pastor's wives, can feel very, very lonely. Um, because you have to put on this front that you've got it all together um, and that, you know, everything is good in the church and there's no issues, there's no, everything is perfect all the time. Um, and I've never felt that feeling. When I hear that from other people, it makes me so sad. Um, when I hear in different relationships with different people how lonely they feel as an adult, it makes me so sad. Because I don't feel these feelings, and that's not a toot to my own horn. It's because all of you have supported me and my family and my husband in such a way that makes us feel like we really are in this together, that God has gifted us with people to belong to. Um, So seven years, it feels like this is just my life, and like, and I wouldn't have it any other way. Raising my girls here, they know no different. This is where they belong. Um, Most of you, like when they don't see you, they they say, oh, I miss them because you guys are our true and genuine family. Um, I'm just so grateful. My hope for this church is that those people that are lonely or feel like they can't be themselves or they don't feel loved can come and be here. Um, Because, yeah, I think that we still have so much love to give. Um, And I'm excited for new adventures and for new opportunities that pop up for us to go and share that kind of love with others. And it's true Jesus kind of love. yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I'm not crying now, but I'm super excited for the next seven plus 77 or 777 years. <laughs> it would be really awesome if we could last that long. <laughs> um, yeah, here you go, Kelly. Okay, I'll keep mine real brief, maybe. Um, This is going to sound like a joke, but it's not. Um, I've had many people 
ask me why I don't visit other churches because there are more single men there. Um, again, it's not a joke. <laughs> That's real. And yeah. And, um, and then I say to them, no, thanks. And um, I don't know. I just, that is such a strange thing to me. And I think it's because of some of the, all the things that have already been mentioned. I mean, this is such a special place. And I have so much pride in being a part of this church like almost maybe too much pride um, because the way I feel when I get to talk about the things that this church does and has done and the people that we are and that we are for one another, I just feel like where, why would I go anywhere else? Especially for a man, sorry. Okay. Um, no offense, but I'm just saying anyway, this it's, it's, it's so meaningful to be here and you know, I just feel like when I think about, I don't mean to get spicy, but like in the last seven years, there are many people in the church, Big C, that have gone a, a certain direction with the way they live their lives. And I feel like we've gone the opposite way. And I've never felt more proud of that. And the way that we love and serve people the best we can without condition. And that's the way Jesus showed us to do it. And that's what we're trying our best to do. And that just makes me so happy and feel so proud to be a part of this group with you all. And my hope is that we can just keep doing all the things that we've been doing, maybe doing it now here in this new location, but still doing the same thing and loving people the same way. And maybe some new people that are nearby in these apartments that Carla talked about and, you know, in all the ways that, that that can look through children and, and whoever else finds their way here to us. So um, just so grateful for y'all and all the ways that we support each other. Echo all the things everyone's already said, you know? But um, anyway, I just feel proud, that's all. Uh, hi. Um, so... I I'm going to do this a little organic. I didn't really, I didn't really prep. Um, but no, but I was, I was thinking today uh, about, um, I guess, a decade ago, we made the decision to switch from the church we were going to into uh, the church, which is, became the neighborhood church. And we made that decision based off of two things, theology, and was this the church, was this our forever church that we wanted our kids to be raised in and taught in? Um, and, uh, you know, like, well, <laughs> the church before the neighborhood church, um, we, it definitely had the theology and the community. Um, but, but man, I did not know how much I was missing, um, what I was missing in my, in our theology about the love of Christ and the way he loves us and how we, that moves out into the neighborhood and into our loving others. Um, and that was a, a huge eye-opener for me. Um, and so that's what I'm very thankful for the Neighborhood Church for, is just to show how much Jesus loves us and how much we go about missing that each and every single day. And I love the fact that it's being, my kids are being taught this in the back by all those who are, you know, raising the little disciples back there. Um, we do that at home, too. 
Um, but uh, yeah, that's good, right? Um, but no, I'm I'm very very thankful. And I guess one of the things that also I'm I'm always challenged on is just relationships and community. And um, this church just has so much love going through it, and so many relationships that have been just built and just, you know, sustained through everything. Um, and that's something that I'm always wanting to get better at. And I'm, yeah, thankful. <laughs> that is rough. All right. But no, just know that I love y'all. I'm thankful so much. Um, I mean, just the fact that you can be so vulnerable here, Karen, some of others talked about just letting your boundaries down. And I, I know y'all probably forgot about this, but just to be able to get up and break down during a like prayer time. I have not forgotten the time that I broke down on stage, guys. And it just like came over me. And rather, you know, all I felt was kind of like shame, like, oh my God, you messed it up. Um, it was afterwards text messages of, hey, man, you okay? Do you need to talk? Or it was, you know, yeah, it was so refreshing to, to, to hear that. You know, man, that, that was awesome that you <laughs> cried on stage. <laughs> I didn't quite under, I didn't quite, woo, I didn't quite understand that. But, um, but it was just, it was like really weird for me to experience all that, all those people coming to my aid. Um, and that's just a little testament to the community we have being able to let your guard down and um, feeling love for it. So thank you. Good job, babe. Well, I wrote mine down so for all of y'all who are so eloquent to be able to just come up here and share how you feel on a mic without having to write it down. That's amazing. Um, it is not my gift. Uh, <laughs> but um, so... I just had that our our family did come into this community when Ellie was four months old, and so that's kind of how we um, base it, like, timeline-wise, and, and she's now 11. And um, our family has grown and changed alongside of this church's um, growth and changes, and we both know wholeheartedly that when God called us to leave our last church, it was undoubtedly a part of his plan. Um, pouring in and loving and serving on a consistent basis has been more of a gift than I could have imagined for us. Um, today, I've been listening to the words of uh, Beautiful Things, which we sang just a bit ago, and some of those lyrics are all around, life is springing up from this old ground. Um, out of chaos, life is being found in you. You make us new, you are making us new. And I just feel without him, we are old ground and in chaos, but because of him, life is found and we are being made new and I feel like this church has allowed like the just just this visual of this process of how he is making us new and um, this past seven years we have built not just friendships but a family for sure some of you know um, but with all that's been going on in my life personally I've been asked more times lately than I can count how I'm doing and the truth is I'm really pretty good lately at hiding behind happy messages and sometimes fake smiles. Um, I'm like really good at that. <laughs> um, but um, when I come into this place, 
um, no matter what building we meet in, I can't do that. Like, like and, and I wrote that before, and then I literally walked in this door, and the first words that were spoken to me were, are you okay? <laughs> Thanks, Lynette. <laughs> um, and uh, it's because we feel seen and understood here. And um, wetropy is not a word, so I don't know what I was trying to write there. <laughs> but we do feel that we belong here. Um, this church is not just a group of people. You guys are not just a group of people. It's literally an extension of Jesus. And my hope is for growth primarily so that others can have what we have and what we all have together. And that is what I want us to share with others. Well, I don't want to cut anyone off, but I am being mindful of our child care workers, and we're running a little bit longer than we usually do. But if anybody wants to, to, to say something, like I said, I don't want to cut anyone off. But with all of that being shared and said, can we just say thank you, God, and give another round of applause? Yes. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful for all that you have done, and we are hopeful for all that you will do in and through us. Would you bless and keep us, make your face to shine upon us? Would you root and establish us in your love? And by the power of your Holy Spirit, would you fill and form us more and more that we may be a church that loves well, sacrificially, just as Jesus showed his sacrificial love to the world when he stretched out his arms of love upon the hardwood of a cross so that all might come within the reach of his saving embrace. Would you clothe us in your spirit that we, reaching forth our hands in love, may bring those who do not know you to the knowledge and love of you. Bless this bread, bless this cup, that we might be attentive and arrive at your table with gratitude and awareness and remembrance. This we pray in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. God calls us to be light in the darkness, a stream in the wilderness, a hand to the helpless. God gives us strength in our weakness, peace in our chaos, and hope in our mourning. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And teach others to obey everything Jesus has commanded us. And surely he is with us always to the very end of the age. Go in peace. <laughs>